On this episode of Ashes 613, I talk with Alicia DeWitt DeBoose about her international childhood, French pastries, and prophetic painting. She tells us how she found strength in the middle of a difficult situation and wound up with the man of her dreams. Hello. So how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Now, what time is it for you? So right now it's 6.30 p.m. Okay. Yeah. So it's 11.30 here. So that's like seven hours in the future. Yes. Okay. Great. I'm not good at math, but I'll, I will say yes. <laughs> you know what I have to do? Because I have so many people that are overseas and I'm so bad at time. What oh, I yeah. do is um, if I know somebody is at a separate place, like I have you here so I can know. <laughs> so okay. That's the only, if it wasn't for the phone, I wouldn't be able to keep up with people's time zones. Cause I have yeah. a gentleman, I have a guy from Madagascar. We're trying to coordinate schedules and bring him on. That's, and you know, and I do good with, if it's like in the, like a few hours in the future, in the past, whatever. It's when you get to the other side of the world, like Australia, New Zealand, and they're oh, on yeah. a whole different day. Like it's not even yes. the same day. I, I get yes. real. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, That's when it's I, hard to keep track. I can't keep yeah. track. If you're in the same day as me, I, I think I can do it. But if you're yeah. in a whole nother day, I get lost. Like, oh my gosh. Yes. I understand. So, but you're yeah. still in my day, just ahead. So, yes, okay. exactly. It is Saturday. So it's Saturday morning for me. So how was your Saturday? What did you do today? So I went into the city today because we live just outside of the city and we saw some friends and spent time with them, had lunch, had a coffee and then came back home. And okay. now I'm with you. So what city is that? Paris. Oh, that's yes. beautiful. It's so, a beautiful city. Is it a how long have you lived there? Are you you're from Paris? So I've lived in Paris since 2017. Okay. I was born in Bangkok, Thailand. Um, and I grew up there for 14 years because my parents were missionaries over there. And then they decided to move to Germany, mm -hmm. where I was in boarding school for missionary kids. And the first year, my parents worked there as dorm parents. And then me and my sister finished high school. And my parents had moved to Paris after the first year of Germany. And then after school was finished for me, I moved to Paris to do studies in fashion design. Perfect. So you yes. have been everywhere. Yes, a little bit. A little what bit. Is what does that feel like then? Do you feel like, do you kind of feel like an adventurer, you know, like a world traveler or sometimes does it feel, do you feel a little lost? Like you don't have a lot of deep roots in one place. What does that feel like? Yes. Um, I think living overseas has made me adaptable and flexible as well as connect with people of different cultures as well. And I feel like I have more of my roots in Thailand because it's the longest place I've lived. 
even okay. though each place I've lived, I'm always a foreigner. And that's something that won't really change. Right. But I know a lot of people tend to find their identity and maybe where they're from and the culture and everything. But for me, it's not something I've really... I, I I don't have that same experience where I have a lot of my identity from where I'm from. It's kind of a mix of culture as well as my parents are Canadian. So I have a little bit of that. But even then, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself really super Canadian or, or super Thai, super German or French. I... Right just a citizen of the world or a citizen of the kingdom I can say yeah right so it forces you when you can't find like you were saying if you can't find your identity in a culture that you have been raised in it forces you to find your identity in other places right exactly so but you know I think we're all you know the bible says we're all foreigners I think we forget that it was it um yes like we're all aliens and strangers and pilgrims in this land so essentially you know and I think that and I'm not one of those you know end of the world negative people I try to just stay positive and look at the happy (laughs) there's a lot of good stuff I'm not saying there's not bad stuff there's bad stuff everywhere but there's so much good stuff too every day but I think that as the world the pendulum swings farther and farther this way we Christians feel more like aliens and strangers and foreigners like I feel like a foreigner Mm. right here in my own home you know like wow yeah and I think that depends on where you're at too of course I'm in northeastern Iowa I'm not from here but that's where I'm at right now and so it's very midwestern people are really good people there's no crime really and everybody's very normal and so you don't feel like I don't as a Christian, feel like a foreigner here at all. But if I went, say, like maybe to Los Angeles, I think I would feel a little more out of place. So, you know, culture is just one of those. But I love that you have got to experience all those different cultures. I'm a little bit jealous. (laughs) Have you ever been to Paris before? No, I want to come. I want to go so bad. You know, now you can come visit me. I would love that. Yeah. I just, I love, that's awesome. Tell me what, okay. So only thing Americans know about Paris is just very touristy kind of stuff. So yeah. tell us, tell us something that's not touristy. Like tell us something that people do. That's very, that only locals would know. Like what, what, only what if, locals would know. Yeah. Like well, what do French people do that? I, French people, they love their, um, we call it terrasse. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're in their free time or after work. We call it an after work, actually, where after work, they literally go to a bar and just have drinks with their co-workers. So that's a big part of their French culture, having drinks on what we call terrasse, where it's an outdoor space. Um, oh. I um, I don't know how else you would might call it um not um uh anyways I forget the word sorry but they sit outside and even in the winter they will sit outside there are heat lamps there are blankets and that's really part of the Parisian culture is having drinks outside 
of the restaurants or the bars and they'll have their heat lamps and blankets. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that. So, and what is, so my oldest friend um, in the world, he married a woman from Thailand. Her name is, we call her Ja because I can't can't pronounce her name. That's a very popular name actually. Ja, is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we call her jaw. That's what she told us to call her. Cause her name is pretty long and um, I love her so much. And she makes us every time we go, she makes to visit. She makes us this amazing Thai food. It's just oh, yes. unbelievable. And my favorite thing she makes are these spring rolls and she makes them homemade with her little hands and she rolls them up and they're tiny and they're delicious. I could eat a hundred of them. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? Thai food so- is the best by far. <laughs> It's so good. And she makes it all homemade. And when you walk in, her house just has all these aromas. It's intoxicating. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I love that. But I don't know too much about Thai culture, but just a little bit from Ja, you know, and um, every time they go to Thailand, they bring us home souvenirs and, and different things. So that is very cool that you have all of that. So tell us, would you like to give us a little bit of your testimony tell us how you said that your parents were missionaries so it sounds like you've had a very um full amazing life tell us yeah yes like I said my parents were missionaries in Thailand and I always grew up in a Christian environment um going to Christian schools and um as a child I was I had I really had that childlike faith, seeing my parents and going to church and um, being involved in what they were doing. Sometimes we would go to the slums and on the streets. And um, it, it was something that I really had a heart for. And then when I moved to Germany at, um, at 14 years old, um, things started to shift a little bit because I was going through adolescence, I'm a teenager, and I kind of started to lose my identity in Christ. And even growing up as a kid, it was a battle between pleasing people, because I wasn't always surrounded by people of the faith. Mm -hmm. Even though I went to a Christian school, we had mixture of cultures and religions and I also struggled to kind of fit in and so when I moved to Germany um, it just kind of started going downhill I was in a relationship uh, and I was not mature for it Mm -hmm. and a lot of my identity was in that relationship and I became very depressed and once high school was finished I was like okay I'm kind of lost and I I also accepted a lot of lies about the Bible. For example, I kind of became a progressive Christian. I didn't understand why why would God people why would God send people to hell? I had big questions. I just didn't understand how could God send my um, homosexual friends or sibling to a horrible place and it was something I just couldn't wrap my head around but the problem was I wasn't really rooted in the word the bible and even as a um, even with a Christian upbringing I didn't really understand the gospel 
And I feel like that happens to a lot of um, people who grow up in Christian homes. And um, I start at, there was one point when I was in Paris and I was just really upset at God. And I had a lot of expectations for him, not knowing who he really was and not having a true relationship with him. So I was like, okay, God, uh, I'm done because I feel like if I just stop it here, I won't be disappointed. So that day I was like, okay, I'm just going to live my life how I want. I, I literally just said, I'm done with you, God. And I was like, okay, I'm going to live my life. So then I started doing a lot of partying. I was with boys all the time and got into a really, really toxic relationship. And um, soul ties are a real thing. Um, yeah, they are. And I, it's not something I understood before. Why can't you have sex before marriage? Because a lot of my friends were having sex around me, partying. And I kind of just went down that same path. And it was it was lonely. And at the same time, I'm trying to um, cover it, trying to convince myself. I'm always trying to convince myself, this is the life. This is the life. I'm living the life. But it really was all a lie. And then I got pregnant in my first year of university. And I thought my life was over. And I was like, oh, no, like, what am I going to do? My parents are going to be really upset at me and um, push through. Just had to really push through on that. And there was a lot of obstacles because um, the man I was with at the time um, wasn't ready as well to have a child. But I I knew it was the right thing deep deep down inside of me, even though I was scared, there was a voice saying like you have to keep pushing through with this pregnancy. And I read your um I read your uh your, yes. your story on your Facebook about yes. that the abortion thing. It brought I was sitting here crying. I was waiting oh. in the Zoom room. I was crying, my makeup, I was like, no cry. Um, yeah. tell us, so you don't have to do the whole story and people can go to your Facebook. We'll link that and read that. But yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Like your thought process was, you know, yes. I'm not, I'm not ready for this, you know? Yes. And yeah, I was literally in the worst case possible. I had, uh, a man who would curse me out on the streets, um, and just very verbally abusive. Um, nothing physical but that's always how it starts and he also didn't have really his life together he kept changing jobs could never keep a job and he was also Muslim and it's a whole different culture and it was it was really not an ideal situation as well as I'm a student. I have to finish my studies and I don't have money for this child. I don't have work or anything. I don't have French health insurance and um, 
thankfully the system here is is very helpful so I got I got through it um financially as well with my parents but at the beginning it was really really tough and I even went to uh, an abortion clinic here just to see I, I was um he was really pushing it on me right so I went to the abortion clinic with my friend and then the doctor explained the procedures I could do so it was either a pill and you take the pill I don't know exactly I think you take two pills and basically the baby comes out in the toilet in the toilet <sighs> you you kind of feel it and normally it comes out in the toilet and there's a lot of bleeding involved and then the second option is like the second option you can do when you're more farther along um, the first option is when it's um, less time has passed. Mm -hmm. But the second option is a vacuum. So basically, they put something and vacuums out the fetus. And I was in my head, I was like, no, 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 I cannot do this. And then I went to the park with my friend afterwards. And I was just sitting in the park and I was looking at the babies and I'm like, how can I stop this life from being something? Because there's this life is gonna be something, and I don't know right. what what the plan is for this life. Because also, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about God, I wasn't thinking about God's plan or purpose. But by His grace, God had kept this child, really by God's grace, and I'm so thankful. And she. Man, she has so much personality. You wouldn't believe <laughs> this girl. Right. <laughs> so much personality. And she loves to sing her heart out. Mm. And she has an amazing ear for a three and a half year old. I just see a little singer, little creative girl as well. And That's social. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So then after that, how did you yes. come back to the faith? Like, so you had, yes, you had a baby, right? Yes. Obviously. Yes. Okay. So, so when finally there was a crossing point with her dad that I'm like, okay, this, this is done. This is done. Um, I had some time for myself doing my studies. And then I took a break from my studies to be with Mira, my daughter, and then um so basically i had a friend and i had been to his house before i was a christian through a mutual friend who who um, introduced me to my now husband and i had met him we were both not christians at the time and then COVID happened so I hadn't seen this friend for a very long time. I was not in touch with him whatsoever. And then um, this mutual friend I had seen was telling me, oh, Teo, who's my husband, he he became a Christian. And I'm like, okay, that's that's interesting. That's surprising to me. And I was like, maybe we can do something together again because it's been a while. And so I went to his house I think one day with my friend we went for a walk in nature and we 
he just shared about Jesus that whole time, shared about his faith, shared about how he came to Jesus. And by God's grace, honestly, something sparked a, an interest in me because I was in the phase of um, also he was kind of evangelical, charismatic as well. And I had grown up with that. So I was like, no, get that away from me. Like <laughs> right? any any other person would talk to me about Jesus. I would be like, mm, okay, no, thank you. I'm good. Um, yeah, I've been there. I've done that. I don't need that anymore. I'm okay. But I think my heart was really ready and yeah. God had softened my heart. And he just it talked to me about Jesus. And then I became curious. And every weekend we would just hang out and we would just talk, 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 always about God every time. And nothing had happened. There was no no flirting or anything like that. It was just God, God, God all the time. And I remember a couple of my friends were going to his church and I was like, okay, I'll meet you after church because I didn't want to go to church at that time. And I met him after church and we just, we, we just always end up talking about Jesus. And once we we realize okay we like each other now we've 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 hung out for like two months every mm -hmm. weekend and nothing has happened but we like each other so let's like take it a step further and this was my first time really having a relationship that was focused on what god wanted for us so it was my first relationship where had actual physical boundaries that I've never had before and even for him as well because he was not a Christian before and at that time I was still hesitant for example hesitant to go to church because I thought okay there's kind of like maybe manipulation in the church and they set a certain atmosphere to get you emotional with the dark lights and the soft music and yeah. all this kind of things I just thought it was like emotional manipulation mm -hmm. um but there was one night I was like god I feel like something's blocking me and I just want you to put down the walls, like pull down the walls because he, my husband was really on fire for God. And I knew if as well, if I'm, if I'm not on fire for Jesus too, it's not going to work out. And I was like, God, just please help me bring down the walls. And that night I went to bed. And I had a vision, like a real vision before me. I never had a vision ever. And it was an empty glass, but behind it was like the brightest sparkling blue light behind this glass. And I was like, wow, I just had a vision. I know it's a vision. I know it's from God, but I didn't really know what it meant. And then I went to bed and I had a dream that I was in an atelier and surrounded by ceramics and um, different vases. And then I saw the same glass that had appeared in my vision surrounded by that light. When I woke up in the morning, I knew I had to tell Teo about it. 
So I was like, Teo, I had this vision, I had this dream, and he gave me an interpretation for it. And basically, God would fill my cup and he would mold me as well. Like that's the ceramic studio, the atelier. He would mold me and create a vase, a new vase, a vessel as well. And it really just shifted my relationship with God and made me even more hungry. And God really put a fire in me and showed me many times that he's there, that he's real. And since then, my life has totally changed, totally changed. Like there are a lot of things about me before that are gone, are, are dead. I totally dead. The partying, the lifestyle, like the relationships, everything. Now my identity is in Jesus as opposed to relationships or boys. And I guess a part of being, we call a third culture kid where you're not born in the same country as your parents. Um, your identity doesn't come from where you live or the places you've been. So it's kind of confusing. Who am I? And I finally was able to come back to who God wanted me to be. And it was a, it was a real journey. Yeah. That's uh wow. That that's just an incredible story. And I like how you said, what would you say to young women who have never been in a relationship that had physical boundaries or had any respect? And so you said you have been in ones that didn't have respect and didn't have physical boundaries. And now you're in this one. How is that different? And is it better? Oh, it's, it's so much better doing it God's way, as well as, um, I believe that all those things that you do like either kissing or hugging I mean you can maybe you can have hugging and holding hands but like kissing it's all something that's supposed to lead up to to sex and also it's good to have boundaries and limits because you don't know where things can go how far you can go as well and it's good to set those boundaries and to have somebody When my friends who are not Christian found out that me and my now husband were waiting to have sex when we are married, they were all shocked and surprised and made comments here and there. But imagine you really have someone that loves you for for you and not for your body. That's that to me, that's powerful than just nowadays we have. um you know sexual empowerment but my empowerment is not from my sexuality my empowerment comes from the holy spirit inside of me that's good and and i i love that to have somebody who you know loves you as a person because you've taken time to get to know each other so you know that he's not just after your body. This is not just yes. about sex. He actually, when he marries you, when you're standing in front of him getting married, then you know for a fact that yes. he loves you. Yes. It has nothing to do with the bedroom. He loves you yes. for who you are. 
and he loves, and then you find out who you are and then who you are in Christ. That is very, that's pretty powerful stuff. That's a, that's a powerful love that not many people get to experience. And so I'm glad that God brought that around for both of you, you know, even if you took the long way around, you, you got, you got around to that. And I, I love that. And so how old was your little girl when you got married then? Um, so I, I think she was two, two. Yeah. Is he two? So that's not his biological child, but it's, he's a good dad to her. Oh yes. He's a good, good dad. And that's also part of why we really had to take our time and make sure this was in God's way, God's will, because this, it was a big deal for him to, to marry me because that comes with having a daughter. So it it was something we had to really come to God with to respect as well Mira's life too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like a bonus. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's no, a bonus. Yeah. He yeah. got you exactly. plus a bonus. I mean, that's yeah. extra. It's yeah. like, you know, yes. it's a buy one, get one free package. That's a great deal. You yeah. know? So he's I mean, that's what dad. I think because I love yeah. kids, but yeah, yeah. good. He, he's such a great oh. dad. Yeah, um, even even when we were dating, he was thinking about getting her a car seat for her to come to places and just always right. thoughtful of, of her, of always her. thoughtful. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you said something that I thought was really interesting, and I have had these exact same thoughts. I've never, ever found anybody else that had said anything like this or thought this way. Because a lot of churches here in America have gone this way. I didn't know you guys were doing this in France too. Oh, yeah. They turn the lights way down low. Really, it's almost dark. I've been in churches that were almost dark. Yeah. And then they have this soft music and they keep that organ going. And I thought this yeah. it, it's a that's what I thought too. I'm like, this is manipulation. You're trying yeah. to manipulate me into feeling some type of way. And I don't appreciate it. And I don't like it. It doesn't it hasn't affected or changed how I feel about God. Thankfully, yeah. I'm yeah. kind of, you know, thank God I'm grounded in the word enough that, but I can see that that's emotional ma- manipulation. And I think that God, the Holy Spirit is powerful enough. He does not need you to manipulate people mm. to feel some type of yes. way. He can do <laughs> his own work. I mean, don't Amen. you think? <laughs> right. Yeah. Amen. I, so, I mean, I don't know if they do it on purpose i mean i don't think that pastors of churches are like oh let's turn the lights down and manipulate people yeah. i think they honestly feel like that that's what they're i don't know who got that started because when i was a kid they didn't we didn't do that did they do that yeah. when you were a kid do you remember being little and having and being in church in the dark oh yeah they did maybe okay. well i'm older it was, than you so maybe it wasn't <laughs> yeah if you wasn't know. like pitch black, but it was dark, you know, it was dark and the music, it makes you want to sway. And yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know who started. I don't know where that started. Let's dim the lights. Like it's like a movie yeah. theater and they have this yeah. big screen back there. And I yes. feel like I remember thinking one day I was at a church and they had this big screen and it was playing yeah. all these beautiful images and the lights were really dimmed and the music was really soft and everybody was swinging and I thought 
I was standing there instead of yeah. worshiping the Lord. I was thinking, I feel like I'm at a performance. I feel like I'm yeah. in theater. I'm in theater right now, you know? Yes. Yeah. And um, I just thought, I don't have any bitterness or bad thoughts toward it. It was a good, it was an okay church service and the sermon was good, but I really would love for people to know the power of the Holy Spirit yes. and to know that he can do his own work. I mean, he, it, it's a powerful presence, you know, I've yes. heard, um, I don't know why I feel like I want to share this story with you. There's a, a preacher and I don't know where he's from somewhere here in America. His name's Tommy Tenney. And he wrote a book called the God chasers. This has been like 25 years ago, but he said he got up one Sunday morning and all he did was say this scripture, you know, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, you know, that scripture. And he said, he read that the book was open. The Bible was open and he read mm -hmm. that scripture. And then immediately after that scripture was read, there was a sound like a loud crack. The podium split in two and went one side of the podium hit this wall and one hit the other wall. And the power wow. of the Holy Spirit fell in this church and everybody was slayed in the spirit. This was a revival that went on for like some weeks. And this mm. is a documented revival that people were driving by on the freeway, could feel the Holy Spirit and pulled their cars over and wow. came down. The church was full. The parking lot was full and people were laying face down. And this had nothing. This was all 100% Holy Spirit revival. This wasn't a, a, a person centered or isn't that amazing that so that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that book, I think I've heard of, I think I've heard about this. I don't remember. Isn't it like something street? Uh, oh no, that's the Azusa street revival. Oh, okay. That's that's different. But yeah, if you'll Google up the God chasers, okay. the book God chasers or Tommy Tenney, you can hear him tell that story. And it's powerful. Even when he recounts the story, you can feel the Holy spirit. It's a very wow. powerful encounter wow. but i think if people knew i would love I and mean, i didn't get to personally encounter that but i think that's a life-changing encounter yes you know where then you realize oh you know the holy spirit is very capable yes <laughs> of yes. doing his his work however he wants that's to do true. it so yeah anyway that's i just true. never heard anybody else say that about the life <laughs> yeah. of the church and i think that's not the same thing yes okay. yes like a yes. movie theater in here yeah so um you majored in so you did finish studies you finished yes. college and so you I majored finished, in yes. fine art right I, no i made i got my bachelor's in fashion design fashion design yes that's awesome yeah so, all thanks to my parents who really really helped me if it wasn't for them i couldn't have made it like my well, mom would spend nights helping me even sewing or cutting fabric and they really really helped me yeah that's what that's what parents do and now that yes. you're a parent you mm -hmm. understand that right yeah I always tell people, and this is the truth. I, I say it all the time because it's true. I did not understand, could not comprehend the love of God until I became a parent. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. And that it's was true. when I was like, oh, this is a pretty powerful love, you know, yes. the love of a parent, you know, so that, um, that you learn so much do. about God just pa by parenting, just by being a parent. You yeah. 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 That's where I. I, you know, I was raised in church too, but in a, a real religious kind of church, not, mm. not like charismatic, very Christian okay. holiness, Southern Baptist, all rules, 
all judgment, condemnation. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you listen to rock music, you're going to hell. Oh, if, yeah. you wear, if you wear shorts, you're going to hell, you know, like yeah. all just rules and regulations. And I couldn't wait to get away from, from yes. God. I was yeah. like, tell me, how old do I have to be when I could stop going to church? Cause I'm never going again. And, yeah. you know, I'm glad that God found me and got me in other ways and connected mm. me with other people. And he really showed himself to me in, in better ways because I had full, full intention at about 14 years old. And once I get away from these people, I will never have anything to do with God or church again, because it's just, it was nonstop rules and regulations. Yeah. But, um, so I did not understand really anything about God too much until Mm. I had a child. That's what did Mm, it. Wow. Was this is, wow. This is who God is. He's, he is my father. He's a parent. Cause that's, and that's where I really began. That was where my journey and learning about who God was and mm. how much he loved me was, yeah. was with becoming a parent. So, so you did fashion design. So you, sew like you have made, you make clothes, like you design and sew and make clothes. Cause I'm really impressed <laughs> by that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sewing is really not my best attributes trust me it's not my (laughs) expertise um but it's more the creative side like designing drawing and basically I growing up I loved drawing I loved creating I loved drawing little dresses on um dolls and creating everything with fashion so I thought okay maybe I'll go to the fashion route because it's creative and um it seems more um because with art with fine arts you know I feel like okay what kind of job can I have as a fine artist if I'm not teaching I have to really push myself out there and it's all it's all on me so I'm gonna do fashion design I can work at a company and have a a traditional job Mm-hmm. Um, but after I got married and I, it was the same month I finished my studies. I graduated the same month I got married and I didn't have my visa renewed for France. So I couldn't work at the moment. And so I'm like, okay, what can I do? So I did try to do the fashion route where I was creating things but then I started to paint as well because I was dabbling in painting when I was on my break from my studies and going back into that and so I was painting I had even people ask me for painting so I was like oh I can do this I'm making some money off painting so I'll keep going but most of them were just um, watercolor portraits which I love to do and I just did watercolor portraits for my friends or family connections, anybody who asked, I was doing watercolor portraits for them. And it wasn't like steady business at all. And I was also confused and like, okay, am I going to do painting or am I going to do fashion? I can't really do both because I also have a home. I have my husband, I have my daughter. I don't have all the time in the world to do all the things I want. And so it wasn't really until this year really felt like God was telling me, okay, keep painting, keep going. 
And um, even though I had a lot of doubts, I really had a lot of doubts in myself. I had a lot of doubts that I was even a good artist. I'm like, I'm the worst artist. I don't think I can succeed. I really was, I, I was having a lot of lies in my head and I couldn't really discern my, um, my voice, uh, God's voice or the enemy's voice. I really was right. having trouble. I'm like, God, where is this coming from? And there was one night I, um, I had a dream, another dream. God really speaks to me in dreams and visions. It's a visual thing. And that's why as well, like it's part of my creativity. And I I heard my sheep know the sound of my voice. And it was really com like, um, what's, what's the word? Confirmation that, okay, I'm going to keep doing painting. I'm going to keep going and really not listen to these lies and I I had people encouraging me and people prophesying over me as well of doing prophetic art and right now I'm really trying to sway away from the portraits and really be inspired by what God wants me to paint so that I can glorify him and if I'm not glorifying him I don't know what's the point of painting honestly I don't want to paint if I'm not going to glorify him in it. I really just want people to resonate with these paintings and be encouraged. And I I haven't posted my latest painting on my feed, but I did on my story. And it was, I, I will show it to you on Messenger. Um, but maybe I can send it to you. Can I send it to you now? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. And the just the feedback I got from this painting was also confirmation that, okay, this is something I really want to continue doing. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, so prophetic painting is a new yes. word that I've heard just in the last week of my life. Let me be honest, oh, really? just, yeah. just last week, this is brand new yeah. to me. Um, because I had kind of reached out and said, Hey, I want to have some visual artists on the podcast. I've had singers and chefs and authors, and I want to have some visual artists. And so that yeah. then people started saying, Hey, I, I'm a prophetic painter. And I was like, that's brand new to me. So yeah. help me understand what is prophetic painting. Okay. Like, for I me, get it. Is it just yes. self-explanatory, but go, to explain that. Yeah. Yes. I guess for me, it's just showing God's kingdom. And it could be you paint something and you don't really know why. So, for example, with this painting, I really, it was something I really felt I was in prayer and I really just wanted to um, show entering God's throne room in prayer. And when we're praying, we're, we're actually fighting, we're in battle. And the best thing to do when we pray is use the word, which is the truth, the sword of truth. And what can come against you if you have with what is written? Even J Jesus says it is written when when Satan was trying to come to him um, in the desert. Right. And so when I sometimes it's just inspiration for me, prophetic painting is inspiration from God and what God wants to show to other people through art. And also, I'm I'm very new to it. Okay, I'm super new okay. to it, but it's something I really want to dive deeper in. Yeah. 
And when I shared this painting, I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do because mm -hmm. how it talked to so many people and confirmed things for people. And I'm like, wow, I'm surprised. Like, really? Because right. I really did not expect it. I'm just like, I was even scared to, to share this painting because I was like, this doesn't look like my usual style. And right. what, what will people think? Is it even good? I don't know. But I, I was like, okay, if this is from God and God wants to show people this, then this is what I'm I'm going to show. And sometimes maybe prophetic painting doesn't doesn't even have to be per se good. It's just what God wants to show people visually as well. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That that sounds I didn't know if you know in my mind immediately I just thought about people that were prophetic and you get a paintbrush maybe you close your eyes and just kind of paint I I was like what is this prophetic thing yeah. what are what are we doing so that I love that and so you just kind of let the Holy Spirit kind of lead you to paint even if you don't understand it mm. you just trust that that's what you're supposed to paint and that's gonna speak to yes. people right yeah and I can't imagine that you would think that you weren't any good you're phenomenal I was looking at <laughs> your stuff I'm blow I'm speechless I'm blown away oh, uh, you know you. from a person that can't even draw stick people honestly my stick <laughs> people sure have, my stick people have problems no <laughs> you have to know your strengths yeah. and weaknesses and um like yeah. draw art is not my strength not oh. even close uh, but neither is sewing. I do have a sewing machine that belonged to my late grandmother. And I it's setting here now that I've moved into this house. And I was like, well, I have a sewing machine. What am I going to do with this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's still yeah. got the thread on it wound around and oh, down, yeah. you know, where it comes out the thing. And I was looking at that the other day and I was kind of just touching that string. And I'm going to try yeah. not to cry. My, I'm not going to cry because my grandmother was my heart. But I realized, oh, you know, she was the one that threaded this. So I don't know that I want to ever use that sewing oh, wow. machine because I thought, oh, she touched this thread. She oh. was the one that put this in there. Yeah. Wow. wow. So, okay. We're not going to talk about that. That's oh. my... No, <laughs> so that's she... beautiful though. Yeah. But anyway, I, I don't know that I could sew either, but. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. But, I'm not the best. Um, right. So your paintings, I was looking at your paintings. They're completely amazing. I'm going to have to save Thank my money. Thank you. I, I have to start saving my money and get one. Because <laughs> I <laughs> love good. them. I'll I send you them. one. So um, so let's talk about then that's, is that where do you see your life? Like what's the next year look like for you in your mind? Do you have goals okay. or what do you got going on? Um, I I do have some goals I would like to just it's pretty simple just create more and be able to um do less um by commission but more of what I want to create and what God wants me to create and then have those be um have those to be my main income instead of more commissioned work just basically what inspires me and um so how do you think that let's talk about making money with paintings like how yeah it's how hard can, I, 
turn to make money anyway. How can I help you? Like that, I'm trying to think like my brain, like, what can we do? How can we market? How can we market this yeah. person? Like, what do you, are you, are you thinking like, yes, I mean, well, help I'm, me understand. Is it like an Etsy store, a website? What, you know, do you need to create an Amazon seller profile? Where, where do you make the most money in person? Do an in-person like craft shows or online or what do you, so, how do you most of it, pretty much all of it is from people I know, which makes it even harder to be like, give to give a price to people because it's like, how how much should I charge my friend yeah. or my family? Or yeah. it's kind of weird. It's kind of uncomfortable when it's things revolving yeah. money. And um, I'm building a website right now. So okay, once perfect. that takes off, I can share it with you. But most of my things are on Facebook and Instagram. And okay. just right now, I'm really trying to connect with people, sending messages, explaining what I do, if anyone's interested. Right. And maybe if people want gifts for their friends or their loved ones, I will do commissions. I'm happy to do them as well. I enjoy them. Right. But it's also something more that I want to do is to be inspired by God right. to create paintings to encourage other people that when they see this painting it's going to remind them oh to pray to fight to keep going that God has something for them and really just to encourage people right yeah. and that's what I I love that and that's one of the things I would like for this podcast to accomplish is to encourage I hope that somebody who is struggling yeah. will come across this podcast and watch it and hear you give your testimony and tell about how, you know, God completely turned your situation around and worked out for your good because, you know, suicide is one of those things that's super, super close to my heart that mm. I, it hurts me that people are so hopeless that they think life is not worth living. And so, you know, because situations and circumstances come up and I'm not saying that life is not hard. Some days are super, super hard, but not every single day is going to be like that. And if you just give it to God, your struggle, he can absolutely turn that around for you. Um, mm -hmm. And I love that he has kind of turned that around for you. So, and I hope that you're this video gets a million views and then people, everybody can see you and they can click on your little links and go yeah. buy some prophetic paintings. Cause that I think awesome. we all need, yeah, well, we all need a prophetic painting, I think in the house. And yeah. uh, I had a friend and she recently passed away and she used to say this and this stuck with me. She said a lot of good things, but she said the spirit of the creator is in the creation. And she was, yes. always, she was very artistic. And so she was really weird about, I want to say weird. She was uh, selective about what she would have in her house. Mm. She yeah. would say, I can feel different spirits on different paintings and different artwork and different, you know, whatever sculptures or whatever the case was. And so she was very selective. And so if you have somebody, a painting from somebody who is, in tune with God, who has a relationship with God, who has a good, strong spirit, and they paint it and they intentionally and purposely put that into a painting, I think that would be a powerful thing to have in your house. And that every time yeah. you looked at it, you could feel that. But she used to, to say that a lot of times if she wouldn't be offended by necessarily what was on the painting, but she would say like, I'm offended by the spirit that's on this painting. Okay. Well, 
I don't like the spirit on that. She would say yeah. it like that. And so <laughs> I just kind of learned to think, well, okay, that's, you know, that's one of her little quirks. She was very quirky yeah. and, and I, I loved her quirkiness and I learned a lot from her quirkiness, but, mm. um, so do you think that that's true as well? That the spirit of the creator is in the mm. creation? Um, yes, I believe so. I mean, we just looking at the world, the universe, we know there's the hand of God in this creation. Um, but with other artists, they're always trying to portray something. Um, what your friends sees, I've never personally experienced. So I don't really know. This is my first time okay. hearing like spirits on the paintings, but I do believe objects can definitely, you know, uh be open doors i definitely right. believe objects can be open doors to s spiritual things and for my paintings um personally i i do hope people will feel the holy spirit through them and right. that's what i want to portray but for example you we can see god's handiwork just by looking at the mountains nature and God, he's the biggest creator of all time. And he loves right. beauty. He loves creation. He's He's the God of creativity. And yes. I get to be a part of that as well, create, creating things. And yeah. it's really cool. And God yes. does yeah. take notice in the details. God does take notice in the beauty because he created beauty. Even when um, they were building the Ark of the Covenant, he gave clear instructions to how to build it and um, talked about the handiwork and the tools and everything was craftsmanship. So right. it's, it's something, a gift he has given for people to create as well, which is really cool. Yeah, I, yeah, and I thought that about God. I, you know, whether she could feel spirits on paintings or not, I just let her be who she was. I never yeah. tried to to change her or tell her she wasn't correct because it's all interpretation. Whether she was correct yeah. or not, that's how she lived her life and she lived it as she saw fit and that was fine. But yeah. I thought when she used to say that over and over, the spirit, mm. she would say, the spirit of the creator is in the creation. And I thought, okay, that makes sense to me because I can feel the spirit of God when I look at creation. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought on a, on a big level, that is true. And so who am yes. I to say it's not true on a small level might be, but yes, when yeah. you are at the ocean or you're at the Grand Canyon, or you look at like those hanging mountains in China and I've never been there. I've seen pictures. You could just see that yeah. God is, he, I think he's a little wild. I think God's wilder mm -hmm. than, than yeah. anybody gives him credit for. If you look at all the animals and all the colors and all the scenery, and True. even insects, I'm like, you know, he's, he's out of control. He has yes. created all kind of stuff. That he's, is a, true. he's a wild artist out here doing all kind of things, you know? Yeah. And I it's love really it. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a really cool, um, yeah. And I don't, that's what I think. Like, I, I get that God is in church, of course. And I get yeah. that. Um, but I don't think that, I think that we, sometimes put God in this little tiny neat box. And mm -hmm. I think he's, I don't think he is. I think he's untamable. That's what yeah. I think about God. You can't, completely. you can't put God in a box. He's mm -hmm. just too big. 
He's too big. He's untamable. What is yeah. that? Chris Tomlin says indescribable, uncontainable. Yeah. Yes. yeah he's uncontainable. Stop trying. Yeah. So yeah. he's, he's everywhere. Um, and the creation is, I love that. Yes. So I had something else I was going to say that had something to do with what we were talking about. Completely gone. I'm really <laughs> eight. I'm ADD. <laughs> I'm a little ADD. I will not take I, medicine for it. Everybody's no. like, you should, you have adult ADD. You should be on medicine, but I am who God created me to be. Why am I going to, why? I literally feel the same way. Right. I feel the same way. I yeah. mean, it's a little harder to manage a mind that runs nonstop, but if you try, you can, like, yes. I, I used to lose my car keys every day that I get ready to leave the house. I would stop and go, where's my keys? Yes. And then I would have to go on this huge hunt for my keys after I had been on a huge hunt for my shoes. Yeah. Then I would have to go on a huge hunt for my keys. One day I found my keys in the freezer. Oh, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't remember putting them there. They were just there. But I, as I have gotten older, I have learned, okay, this is who I am. I'm completely disorganized. Let me try to help myself. So yes. I was at a yard sale and I bought this rooster key thing that hangs on the wall. Super cute. Cost me a dollar. And I started making a point to put my keys on that thing every day. Yeah. So instead of taking, I think people are so quick to medicate. Yeah. Um, but there are other ways that you can control your adult ADD. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just, you learn to use it, you know, yeah. and like, why would I want to change who this is? Yeah. Who God made me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. My mom gave me a good tip, though, about, like, losing things or misplacing things. You just, like, or for me, okay, did I turn off the stove? Did I turn off the water? Something like that. I'm just going to say, I'm turning off the water. I'm turning off the water. Just tell myself, this is what I'm doing. So I'm like, okay, I won't question it. I'm turning it off. Or I'm putting my keys. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's I'm actually a great tip here. yeah it's a really helpful tip that's a I great tip it. yeah yeah I love that so if you say it out loud it kind of like then you get it in your mind so then later when you're on your way to wherever you're going to meet your friends or to church and you're thinking did I did I turn off the curling iron well now yes. you know because you remember oh yeah I turned it off I said it out loud to myself yes exactly that's actually a great tip I love that. Do you think that that comes with being creative, being a little ADD? That I don't, I don't know. I can't say. I can't say either. But I've definitely experienced that. I can't, I can't organize what's the most important task of the day. It's hard for me to plan multiple things in a day. And it's, (laughs) I think it comes with I think it comes with being all the creatives I know, musicians and authors um, are, are all a little kind of yeah. like that, like spastic and sporadic. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't plan either. I think it's part of that whole type B laid back personality that yeah. comes with being creative where like you're totally right brained and you're just thinking about the next thing you're going to paint or the next thing you're going to write or yes. you're thinking about music, you know, and I play guitar so I'm right I might be writing a song in my head not paying attention to anything else that's going on in the world and I I think those kind of just go hand in hand as opposed to somebody who's analytical you know and really good at math and good at planning and but I'm so thankful 
for the analytical left brain people that keep the yes. world running. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's my husband. I just tell my husband, okay, just make a list for me or give me right. a schedule. Cause I can follow a schedule if I see it or a list, but yeah. at the same, but if I see, if I make the list of myself, I'm like, okay, do I do this first or this first? And then I just hardly do anything from the list. So I'm like, okay. Right. Okay, before we get, yeah, and I think I'm the same way, and that's another one of the tricks. Instead of medicating, make notes, make lists, and write down, okay, this is what I have to do today. Even if it's just like two things, give yourself two things. My little friend, Marion, would also tell me, the one that said about the spirit of the creation, she would say, I'm going to go in this room and spend five minutes, and I'm going to see what I can get done in five minutes. Now, a Mm. lot of times, you'll get into it, and you'll be in there longer than five minutes, Mm. she but she would say just don't just limit yourself like I'm not going to clean the whole kitchen I'm going to go do five dishes and see if you can go in there and do five dishes and then a lot of times yeah I will I'll say that to myself I'll say to people I'm gonna I'm gonna wash three dishes and they'll laugh they go you're gonna wash three dishes yeah I'm just gonna wash three dishes now I've never washed three dishes I but I think that gave me freedom she gave me freedom to Mm. be myself that it gives me freedom to know that I don't have to wash all the dishes in one setting. I can wash some of them. And when I feel myself starting to get anxiety and I can feel that I'm done with the dishwashing, then I, I have enough peace that I can just, you completed your initial goal. My initial goal is completed. Right. And then I just walk away and I do something else and I come back to that later. So, you know, and I, I think I'm the only ADD person in my family. I come from a family of, and so they, they don't understand me. And they always made me feel like, listen, they would tell me something's wrong with you. <laughs> you know. And it took me until I was an adult to have wonderful people that came to my life and said, nothing's wrong with you. You're just different. And let's just yeah. do things a little different. Let's always tell people I can get done the same thing. Everybody else gets done. It just takes me a lot longer. And I go about it in a whole different way. My logic yeah. is not. My logic is not linear. My logic is circular. Yeah, you're not the <laughs> right? only one. Yeah. It just goes in circles and that's okay. So before I let you go, let's. I want to go back because I've never yes. had a guest talk about this. I want to go back. I want you to give some advice to young ladies who are maybe in toxic relationships or don't yes. feel like they deserve um, to, to be free of those verbally abusive or toxic mm. relationships and to young women or men who are watching, let's talk mm-hmm. about, give them a piece of advice and how, um, just, just talk to, just talk to some, some people They don't even have to be young people. They could be older okay. people who have maybe always been in toxic relationships. Yes. Um, my advice is that one, um, your identity is not in this relationship. And yes, it is, it's extremely hard to leave. Um, but God does help and provide. And also, when you are in these toxic relationships, the thing is, you also feel responsible for the other person, you're not responsible for their emotions, you're not um, responsible for how they react. I mean, when you are married, you are married, you, you do have responsibility, but for me, I think my advice is, is, is that keep seeking God first. For me, I was in a relationship that it was before I was with God. So it, it's hard 
now to really give advice to to that because it's honestly for me it was God's grace but it's my advice would be yeah um for people who are going into relationships is to seek God first and his kingdom and like the the word says and all these things shall be added on unto you and just keep seeking God first seek what he wants what he desires for you and your life and really be rooted in your identity as either a daughter or son of of God because at the end of the day all these things do perish even our some relations relationships perish things perish our, our careers change um all all these things will go so at the end of the day the only constant that we have the only eternal that we have is god because he's been here from beginning to the end and just seek your identity in god you can't find your identity in your sexuality you can't find your identity in what you what you do you can't be good enough you just have to accept that you are god's child and he loves you very much that he died for you so that you could live eternally with him and there's there's nothing else everything else will perish in this world right. yeah right amen i think it's a lot of you have to know your worth too i think people yeah, that people exactly. that stay in abusive relationships i don't they don't fully understand their worth yes yes it's yeah. true yeah, yeah. So, okay, tell us one thing. If we get to Paris, what should we okay. eat? One, one food. I want to eat one food. One. The best food I ever ate. The yeah, best food you I ever eat? ate? Oh, no. <laughs> well, she said, oh, no. <laughs> okay. What is one be... thing every American should eat when they come to Paris? Okay. Do I say? Okay. It's hard to choose. But the first okay. thing... As American, as an American who comes to Paris, goes straight to the bakery. And yes. Okay, I'm on board already. I'm on board. <laughs> get, uh, um, it's a cream puff basically. It's called a choux crème, and there's a pastry made of um, cream puffs with a hardened caramel on top. It's oh. called Saint Honoré. And that's literally my favorite. And it's the best. It's like nothing you've ever had before. I don't know about American cream puffs. I'm sorry. But these are the legit cream puffs. It's amazing. Well, how am I ever going to be happy now in my life? <laughs> that, I, that I'm not eating these all day, every day. Yes. That's, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, we have some cream puffs over here. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. They're better if you make them homemade. The ones at the store, to me, I just think this is terrible to say as an American because there's so many things I do love about my country, but um, pastries and sweet stuff, a lot of times just taste sweet. They don't have any flavor. And I'm like, this just tastes like sweet. And uh, I'm mm. not a fan of that. And it's yeah. like, especially like commercial stuff. It's like, they make it as cheap as they can possibly make it with the oh, cheapest yeah. ingredients they can use. And I'm like, this is not even any good. So we actually order all of our chocolate from overseas. Like I can't be eating American chocolate. Just oh, waxy, yeah. doesn't have any taste. It's disgusting. 
Well, you know, like, when's the last time you ate a Snickers yeah. bar? They do the commercials and, and people are brainwashed to think this, this Snickers bar is good. That Snickers bar is gross. It doesn't yeah. even have any flavor. It's <laughs> terrible. And so we order all our chocolate from, from Europe. It's delicious. So I can just imagine those cream puffs. Yes. Gotta be. All the pastries I, you could ever imagine. I would French weigh 500 kiss. pounds. I struggle keeping it under oh, 200. Yeah. Even in America, I'm like under but, 200, under 200. I'd weigh 500 pounds if I lived in France. <laughs> but the thing is, in France, they don't have like all the chemicals and like additives and everything everything is pretty much fresh and it's they don't like to overdo things with unnecessary ingredients so i love that okay people do people do come to france and lose weight you get me a job in an apartment i'll see you okay all right (laughs) that sounds perfect that sounds like a perfect that's perfect Okay. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. We're going to link all your stuff. And when you get thank a website you. up and anything I can do to help you, I, thank I will you do. so much. So we're going to get thank your, you. get your paintings out there so people can see them because you're phenomenal. So, okay. Thank will you. you tell your husband and daughter that I said, hello. I will. And, and we'll keep up. We'll have you back on here in six months or a year or something. See what you're like. Perfect. Doing, okay. Sounds okay. great. Bye. Right, have, bye.